prospect hype train full steam ahead or should we offer caution with previously unheralded players getting grouped in with our fantasy baseball favorites it's time for dinghouse this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors we're always watching waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Dylan Cease that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs, joined again, as usual, by Robbie Baseball from the murder room. What's happening, Robbie? Oh, nothing. Just uh, checking out the about-to-be latest article for RobbieBaseball.com that's going to get released to go alongside, Ty, with replace your broken stud in April which is something we podcast about all the time early season is, oh no, so-and-so got injured, which I think for you, Ty, is just always going to be Tatis. And then how do you uh, money ball with, without Tatis, right? How do you get my, over that? My new thing is just three shortstops. It's a deep position. I'm just, I'm going to have a lot of guys at that position so that I can have Tatis. That's my new thing. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. Um, no, I, I mean, it worked well. Yeah. Like I, I have in a, in a big league, I have seven potential outfielders now. Um, I'm very happy with all of them. And the hardest thing that I had to decide was whether I would continue in an auction or not to get the eighth, which would have been Adam Duvall, but at his cost and the, the fact that Billy McKinney looks like he might play on a major league team this year. I was like, ah, I have Billy McKinney for a buck. I can leave Adam Duvall for 24 or whatever it is. Um, and then make a trade if needed. So that's the thing is, is, is buying in bulk. And that's kind of what I just written about, you know, somebody gets hurt and whatever. Plus I'm figuring out the, uh, all rookie team for the preseason, which, uh, mm -hmm. is something that we, we touch on a little bit. Well, we do have an even more better, technically speaking, um, topic for tonight. And that's one that, um, what does it do? It helps fantasy owners a lot. It hurts fantasy owners a lot, and it provides a ton of content for people out there. And that's prospects. Uh, the hype train, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we talked early last year, Ty, about stat lines and AAA and things like that and like guys to watch and things, but we weren't talking about players who hadn't done anything at the low level or sorry, hadn't had a pro career and were doing things at the low levels. We were taking the, you know, double A AA and triple A guys and saying, Hey, have an eye here uh, for dynasty. And now we're going to take a look back over the past. I don't know. I think it goes back to like 17 players who have done uh good bad another uh as pros but when they got hyped as minors what was that yeah. remaining trait well and i think the big thing too and we we joined a redraft league this year in the surf format and we got to see some of that hype in action right guys that we've been following for a couple of years are now making it to the pros and causing some of the redraft leagues to get super excited so it's really interesting to have that insight and it's not just that league but we see it all over other other content platforms and everyone's just trying to be the first to the corner post, right? They're just trying to get that win. Say they were on the guy early so they can walk in with a little. Cause I mean, that's what people are chasing, right? They're chasing that dream of being the cool kid on the block. 
yeah, uh, like everybody it. wants that 400 hitter, right, Ty? Like Keston Hira in spring training, hitting mm-hmm. 412. Yep. After spring. the fifth inning versus single A pitching. That, that's the spring dream. Training. Hey, spring training stats matter. Hashtag spring training stats matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Keston Hira owners probably will have to do a lot of drinking this year. So I think it's appropriate that we Let's kick into him. that. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. crack so i really i really wanted to have woodford tonight but it still has the plastic on it and i wasn't gonna fight that battle i understand we had our home league draft over the weekend um and ty thanks for letting me sleep on your couch uh Mm -hmm. after too much beer fell down my throat so i'm (laughs) coca-cola-ing it tonight because i got to go back to work uh sunday after the saturday night draft and uh like i said to you before ty there could have been um could have been a, a worse day i should have just booked it off. well i think i tried to book it off and i was just told no because someone's on vacation in cancun or something so not only did i have to go into work the day after but i'm pulling ot all week so i can't wait to be off on friday oh baby i can't wait to be off on friday not but every, in the meantime not every hero oh, oh. wears a cape Exactly. It's a chef jacket and a bad attitude. <laughs> and everyone I work with knows it right now. So they're like, just leave Rob alone. Um, but yeah, so here, so we'll, we'll dump, jump in, dive in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the question is, do players who have a great minor league season half in some cases, or even just a fall league and find themselves getting uh, headlines follow through into good MLBers? beers? Do they have good MLB careers? Are they having good MLB careers? Should we be aggressive in acquiring those players as dynasty players? Um, that's what we that's what we want to answer. We want to cover it. And I got the idea uh, from a league that Ty, you and I are in, where we watched Seiya Suzuki, who at the time was still a free agent, had not yet signed with the Cubs, and Cody Morris, Cleveland pitching prospect, who has since, I think he's been shut down and is like going to be out for months. Um, Suzuki was taken second. Morris was taken fifth, respectively, in a universal draft. So the universal draft, you could pick any player, any uh, MLB or veteran, rookie, prospect, international. As long as they have an association with the Major League team, you could take them. And, of course, we had 24 teams already with uh, no more than, I think, 30 minor leaguers and 26 MLBers. So there's still a lot of talent out there uh, to be taken. Uh, and then um, Matt Brash, who's a Seattle Mariners pitching prospect, went 11th. Matt Brash has approximately zero MLB innings. <laughs> and he, I think even on Fangraphs, it said that like he was suspected to have been starting a game in September that never ended up happening. But I think people read into those things and were like, oh, man, these guys, right? These guys. And this is a this was a 30 team, now a 24 team, eight by eight um league so the categories count right like depth and being a good baseball player count more so than the five by five where you kind of got to like hit your hit your categories here um but you get five player or five years for a rookie and in some cases you can get up six 
but there were also guys like you know lighter was in this um arius was in this the j2 guy you had khalil watson like you had great players who all went after these guys um i think actually sorry i think lighter went one one and then and then yeah. it went to suzuki so which also happened in our our home league uh or sorry our, our dingers listener league where we've got a bunch of new bodies in which is awesome and the league went very similar to that and and we're first year only so suzuki was one of the guys but you know this draft also has like patrick wisdom uh, paul seawald like legitimate guys who can help you in other spots so i couldn't wrap my head around it uh why were people giving so much value to suzuki who you know, we all saw what happened with Hassam King, Hassam Kim last year. We've seen it with other Asian hitters or KBO hitters, Japan League hitters who have come over and they've just failed. Um, so what's with it? Like, why are why are everybody why is everybody so excited? It's it doesn't get any um, soft landing when you look at what some of these guys do, right? You got a hype train around Matt Brash, and he goes up against Oakland the other day, uh, three innings, six strikeouts. So that they're just pouring gasoline onto this hype. The issue is, and this is the stuff that people miss about spring training, right? So you hear people always talk about, oh, spring training stats don't matter. They do, but you have to look deeper. You have to look at what's actually happening. So who did he face with this Oakland lineup that should be feared? Tony Kemp, Elvis Andrus, Sean Murphy, Seth Brown, Pinder, Kevin Smith, McKinney, Pache, and Bolt. So we were joking before we jumped on today with the lack of batting average so far in the Oakland A's spring training squad. So yeah, Kevin Smith is Murphy, leading the team. No, but kept, but for guys who have had a, a whatever, a number of at bats MLB considers um, Kevin Smith is leading the team with a two sixteen average. No one else is over 200. Yeah. And Sean <laughs> so. Murphy and Tony Kemp are the only other two on this list that have anything reasonable to, to work off of. So, you know, the reality is like, cool. Brash had a good outing, but he faced nobody. Right. And that's the things that people miss. And we talked about that with Kesson here on Twitter. Like, these are the things that you have to pay attention to if you're going to use sprig trading as a measuring stick, because I've talked about it before. You have to pay attention to what needs to happen for that player in order to make a real assessment. It's just not win how many wind aided home runs did the guy hit. Right. Which people get lost in a lot of times. Yeah, very true. So, so the big thing that we wanted to cover is is the recent history. Excuse me, is the recent history of these players once they're actually drafted for fantasy purposes. Is it good, bad, or is it mixed? Um, we've got example players that we're going to cover. So, with Otani in eighteen, it's pretty easy to know what ended up happening, right? He he was signed in seventeen, and then eighteen was his first year. So, came in, it was very exciting. He basically became like the Sunday starter for a few weeks. He was rocking bombs, but everybody in spring training. As soon as he was like officially coming, what happened? Everybody like dialed it back. Oh, he's not going to be like the greatest player that we think or we thought he was going to be before he signed. Right. There was all these all these people recoiling on Otani. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, th this guy's awesome. He hits and he pitches and like, uh, I, I love it. And he's, he could play outfield. And anyway, he came in and, and he was good. He had 22 dingers, 10 stolen bases, a 285 average. Um, 51 in a, in a third innings pitched and then, and then got hurt and then ended up in 320 at bats for the year. Um, and then he was a hitter only. And then he really struggled in, uh, or sorry, he, he had a, an average drop in 19. Um, and then in 2020, we saw the big drop, right? 90 point average drop, uh, 50 points on the OBP, 
tip tick up in stolen bases, but everybody was like, oh no, what's going to become of Otani? And then 2021 MVP. So, you know, we're very lucky to have had him, but that was not a smooth transition by any stretch. And no one in the fantasy community and, and baseball writers in general, not just fantasy community, no one was doing him any favors in that spring training because there was a report that like he hits like a high school senior. Like I just, that's burned in my brain. And I remember in our home league, I was debating Ty, like, do I get Otani the pitcher? He's going to be my first round pick. Do I get the hitter, like my second round pick? And I don't even think he was drafted. I think I ended up picking him up like week one on waivers after he hit a couple of home runs. I'm like, you know what? I I just want them both. I want both Otani's. And that was also a big thing, right? Was that the Otani's were being divided. So um, anyway, so Otani was like a weird rise and, um, Kevin Bijo, and th- this is the one we were talking about before. It was 2018 and double a, he had 449 at bats prior to this, nothing notable. Um, draft stock was not high. Any of that stuff, 252 average. He had that year, 388 OBP, 26 dingers, 80 runs, 99 RBIs and 20 stolen bases. Awesome. Um, outside of 2019 and when he moved up to triple a, uh, he has not been able to replicate the average. Uh, which is not saying a whole lot. Uh, 89 runs between AA and AAA that year. And the OBP is the only thing that we've been able to count on with Bijou to the point, Ty, last year. Just as Jays fans, we were like, who who is going to take his spot? Like, he's not the third baseman. He's not Ben Zobras, which is what everybody was saying. Uh, what is Kevin Bijou? And we still don't know. But dating back to eight to five years ago now, that's when he came on the scene with like, Kevin Biggio, everybody get ready. Hype train. Yeah, and I mean, this this happens all the time, which is why we're talking about it. Like, guys get so excited about the potential upside that they don't consider the practical nature of, of these guys learning at the major league level, right? Unless you got a guy that's hitting like 345, 360 at, at the AAA level, like, there's going to be a dip. I mean, that's just the reality. There's some guys that are just gifted, right? Guerrero, Tatis. Cunha like some guys just have it and they're just that much better than their peers guys like Biggio guys like Austin Riley guys like that take a little bit more time to figure it out like Austin Riley a year and a half ago was everyone's like this guy's a bum and now everybody's like this guy could be an MVP like look how fast that happened um and there was indicators that it was going to change and we've talked about that already in the past but I feel the exact same way about Biggio right now like I I've seen the bottom Right? I know how bad he can be, but I'm seeing the changes happening. Um, watching some of his at-bats this spring, you can see the adjustments. Now, I don't think he's going to have an MVP turnaround, but I do think he's going to be a, a very underrated bottom of the lineup bat for the Jays this season. So I think there's going to be opportunity. You just have to balance it with what you invest. Right. So if you're going in and be like, he's a fifth-round pick, or I'm going to spend a future first or a future stud on him to get him now, that could be a mistake because of the production he's going to get from the bottom of the lineup. But I think there's opportunity if you find owners that are, are done with him to acquire him because I think he's coming back. And this is going to be a common thing we talk about in prospects almost all the time. Yeah, the big thing with me was when Bicho started to struggle, the the reason originally was he was taking too many pitches. And it was like, well, imagine if he started to jump on first pitch fastballs or whatever it was. He just has never never done it. So it's like, if he makes a swing change or an approach change, what is that going to do to the thing that made him so great initially, which was the OBP and the stolen bases? Because 
if he's not on base, he's not going to be able to steal. And he's on base a ton. And that means that he doesn't have to steal all the time. But he can't become the Billy Hamilton where every time he gets on first, you know he's going to try to steal because that's the only way to kind of keep that that other thing that he does going. Um, and, and you're right, Ty. I think for Blue Jays fans or people who have him in fantasy, this is a critical, critical time for him because if he is not good at the back of the Jays lineup, uh, we are going to see a lot of innings end at the back of that lineup. And that's, that's going to, you know, those rallies are not going to happen because we know the top of the lineup is dynamite. And depending on exactly where Bijou ends up, I'm assuming the eight spot possibly into seven at times, uh, he could be just huge for runs and RBIs or sorry, RBIs is what I meant first. And then runs. Yeah. He he's hit the top uh, a couple of times already. He's got a spring home run. Uh, You know, there's, there's things that are positive about what he's done in the spring. He doesn't have enough of bats to get excited about it just yet, but the Jays are putting him in the one hole. So they clearly see some progression from BGO. And those are the little, I think they just wanted bats though, Ty. I think they're just trying to give the guy a bats. There's some truth to that, but there's also the reality of like, if if you want a bats, you can put them two, you can put them five, you can put them six. It doesn't really matter in the spring. You can give them the same number of bats either way. But if you're, if you're trusting him to hit lead off, it doesn't matter. You're you're giving faith to that. You want to see him progress, and he he's he's getting hits. So, you know, not a ton yet because he doesn't have the bats, like I said. But there's indicators that there's a breakout here, right? And it's not a guarantee. Breakouts never are, but there's there's something to trust in just the way the Jays are looking at him. And, and he, it's just not Jays. It's all the other teams. They do the same thing with their guys. Okay. Well. You just tried to, you almost said breakout for Bijou. So just caution to the wind, because that's what we're no, doing here. Is we're, it's we're 100% not a breakout. Five right? years. Hello, it's me. Did you change that graph? It seems like it's from a horror movie, like Scream, but it's Adele. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. If anyone is not watching and is curious what we're talking about, <laughs> uh, go on YouTube. Uh, find us. It's Dinger's podcast, right? That's the channel that's- name. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it might actually be like slash six nine eight W E Z. Well, there's still the Chicago Cubs one that started after we did. Who uh, wrote Ronnie said that he he saw that they're there. Anyway, go to minute eighteen and just watch that minute, and then you'll see what I'm talking about. But anyway, the uh, the whole point was that five years ago, that's when he came on. Since then, it has not been smooth sailing. Although there has been times when it looked great, it recoiled badly. Speaking of recoiled badly, 2018 was also a year Chris Paddock. (laughs) The uh, eighth round pick in 15 was all over less that year. Um, there, there's a link that I, I, I had found from uh, Prospects Live, not to say that they did a bad job because they put them on the list and talked highly about them, but uh, they were really taking a ceiling approach with different players. And I remember hearing in spring training, Ty, that he was going to come up. He was going to be starting with the Padres. They were just going to do it. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to go get him. Um he ended up being like really kind of eased into that season. And then it, it was good and bad and injuries and whatever, but he had 120 K's and 90 innings pitched um, beauty ERA whip. Everything looked good. And um, then in 19, uh, 26 starts solid, you know, that, that was the peak ERA and whip both increased the last five seasons as has the strikeout and to walk rate, all of it. Everything has went the wrong way every single year with Chris Paddock, but he was one of these amazing elite guys that we just need to keep in our minds that uh, every, every individual player has different reasons why things have went the way they have good or bad. 
Chris Paddock is a case of somebody who got hyped a lot, came in, started, didn't end up at AAA, started at MLB, and then had maybe 18 months where fantasy owners were like, yes, two years max heading into um, 2020. But it's just, it's all turned, you know, unfortunately, it's all turned poorly for him to the point now where uh, I don't even know if he was drafted in our home league of 350 guys. Yeah, I don't think he was actually, but you know, that doesn't say a lot because of the guys that are in our home league, but <laughs> well, but still he, I mean, uh, to, to speak about home leagues for just a very quick moment, uh, even though Randall Gritchick was traded from the bench spot in Toronto to a starting spot in Colorado, he was drafted super late in that draft where everybody's drafted Blue Jays early. Nate Pearson was drafted. And for some reason, Nate Pearson was drafted uh, <laughs> uh, because he's a Blue Jay. But um, it's hold, save hold. Save, okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a, an example as well of like, you know, even though just the common fantasy fan is kind of forgetting about Chris Paddock. So well, the one thing that's that is interesting, like I uh, with Chris Paddock, like Clevenger went today. I don't know if you saw the damage. He gave up look. eight earned runs today oh, in one nice. and two thirds innings. So He's there might be <laughs> like I, I, what I see happening with Clevenger is we might see one of those dead arm or phantom injuries for Clevenger, and you might see Paddock run out there. So there's probably a quick, you know, early season fab or uh, something of that nature around Paddock if he's available. But I, I don't think they're ready to give up on Paddock because, you know, the reality is, like, the only thing he's really missing is a third pitch. Like, he just doesn't have that elite third pitch. And, and if he finds it, he's going to be elite because the other two pitches are really good. So, like, they should be committed every minute of every day to getting Chris Paddock a third pitch. Okay. Until that happens, caution folks yes. uh the next guy up and this is it's still this is he's got to be like the best case for this um in 2017 garrett hampson smoked the hype train um you know he he was a truck that parked on the tracks and stopped the damn train third round pick in 16 was solid from the pro debut but never made an mlb.com and i'm using that specifically because i could very easily reference it uh, top 100 prospect list. However, his teammate Riley Pint did. Um, it was after the 17th season in high A fantasy, people started to just say, oh my goodness, he's going to be so good. Plus he got that Colorado factor, right? But he's never been a power bat. He did have a great eye, high OBP. Um, this is all 17, I believe. 113 runs, 70 RBIs, only eight home runs, 51 stolen bases, and a 326 average. Like, how do you not love that, right? Um, he was 22 at that year. In high A, which I, you know, that's kind of old for me for high A for somebody that you want to be polished in, in 2015, or sorry, 2018, he finished in MLB, double A AA and triple A. Uh, he went from a potential four category guy because of the home runs not being a thing um, to a four category stud. And everyone was supposed to be ready for this huge 2019, right? We all know everybody tried to get him everywhere, overpaid, did whatever you did. Um, the, the OBP went from the high 300s to 300. And since then at AAA and MLB, his contact has become weak. Stolen bases are cut because he's not getting on base. He's not doing those things he was. So RBIs and runs are also dropping with him. Um, you know, people talk, talked negatively about Nick Madrigal and it's, he, he's a similar pro profile to a guy like Garrett Hampson. Um, that's just a thing. 
It's just that Magical never stole the amount of bases that Hampson did once. So he's another case to just be careful of because we're still hearing about him this year. Like, Ty, I know you've got him in Dynasty. Um, what are you thinking as I, I call you a Garrett Hampson fanboy, but I don't think that's fair. Like, no. I don't, how hard of a case will you make that we should still be believing in what was five, six years ago, Garrett Hampson kind of coming on the radar, coming on our uh, radars. I, I really like him just to be a depth guy. Like I that's, and that's what I'm going to use him for. I, I traded in that league that I do own him for, uh, Glaber Torres, who is going to play second baseman for me as soon as the eligibility kicks back in for some reason, it's not there at second base. But um, the reality is that's my plan. And, and what I get with Garrett Hampson is he's already got center field eligibility. He's probably going to pick up shortstop, possibly third base in a, in a weird scenario, not likely, but definitely probably left field at some point as well. So I'm going to end up with three really valuable positions to potentially fill up bats throughout the season. So what Garrett Hampson has been pretty consistent on is staying healthy. And that's partly because he doesn't play very much, uh, but you know, <laughs> also, get hurt on the bench. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so unless there's a, a hot foot injury, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, at the end of the day though, I, I think there's still a player here. What Garrett Hampson really needs is to get out of Colorado. I thought that was going to happen this offseason because it seemed like they're desperately trying to tell him that he's a terrible player, um, which means he could be really good on another team because that's kind of how Colorado does it with those guys. Um, but the downside is that Colorado's sneaky good. And I've been telling you this for a couple weeks now, like especially after the Gritchick trade, like there's a, a decent lineup there <laughs> offensively now, right? Like I don't know if they're going to pitch much, but like there's, there's enough – like bumping that lineup um i'm kind of excited because i think they're going to surprise a lot of people yeah the, the um, issue i have with with hampson ty is just the fact that like he's not even in line to play this year and and that's evident by the signing a couple of weeks ago of shortstop jose iglesias the contract extension of uh mcmahon the signing of um oh my goodness the signing of chris bryant uh, mm -hmm. Connor Joe is going to benefit from the moves that are happening because I think he's going to start to move around the diamond a little bit. And last year was his kind of first chance opportunity and he, and he did well with it and they re-signed CJ Crone and now they've got, uh, Randall Gritchick. They did move Rymel Tapia, uh, who hits the ball as I've since found out from the trade, hits the ball incredibly hard, uh, into the ground though. He, he hits the <laughs> ball super hard and has like a negative launch angle. I think he's one of like four players or something ridiculously low like that, that has like a negative launch angle. So anyway, it doesn't matter because he's out of Colorado, not part of the lineup, but that might be the saving grace for Garrett Hampson is the fact that maybe he might have to move to the outfield, but either way, like from, from the time that everybody started to get excited about him to looking at the out outset for 2022, this is a guy who anybody who invested has, cannot say, oh, yeah, it worked out great for me. Well, but for what you just said, Ty, a bench guy, I think that's a pretty fair spot to put him moving I forward. agree. The one the one thing I'm going to add to what you just said, because I agree with everything you said about the expectation of being an infielder, the one thing that I think he has is that center field is not a solidified spot for the Rockies, right? right. It kind of looks like Gritchick might be the guy out there. And we know Gritchick is a satisfactory center fielder, right? Like if you can't play center field in Toronto – and get the appropriate positive metrics, you definitely can't play center field in Colorado. 
right? So that's the one thing I'll say is that I think Hampson might have an, a slight edge on the defensive side to play center uh, over Grichik, but at the same time, obviously the hit tool's not the same as it is for Grichik. So that's the one area that I think he has the opportunity to still fight for some at-bats. Uh, then the obvious utility thing behind that. Yeah, and like Sam Hilliard is the other option as as a right fielder out there, so it's not like it's a terrible move if they were to slide uh, Grichik over to right, uh, If assuming, of course, Charlie Blackman is not going to be the everyday right fielder. Uh, in the event that that happens, then Hilliard and Hampson are fighting, and then you've got a lefty-righty matchup. So it's, it's platoony, possibly, for those guys. Uh, but either way, uh, Connor Joe would be another platoon guy and right-handed bat for um, Garrett Hampson. But the next one up here, Ty, uh, this is somebody that that had a heck of the 2017 season. He was the top prospect for his team. Um, he was the number 74 in Baseball America. Sorry, number 69 in Baseball America. Nice. Um, number 74 MLB prospects. Uh, 69 with MLB Pipeline, 80 with Baseball Perspectives. He was everywhere. Uh, 2018 made his debut from the bullpen and was fine. Wasn't looking like an ace, but everybody was like, hey, that's cool because the year before he was an A and double A. So um, 2018 was was not was not good, but it was solid. Uh, 19, brutal. ERA over 8.5. Whip over 1.7. A lot of Ks, one win. So, you know, what do you do with a guy like that? Ty? I'm talking about Corbin freaking Burns right now. My boy. People don't know what to do with him at the end of 2019. I know what you did in one league. Uh, you traded for him from me. Uh, yeah. And I think I got like John Means on an expiring contract for a, for a playoff run. Or Highway like robbery. And, yeah. And and like it it was a great move for you. But but the K to nine. This is what I do. This is what I do right there. <laughs> the K to nine was not even good at that point in time. So in 2020. It looked like it was going to happen all over again, right? Started in the pen, did not look great. And we were out doing the podcast and Ty was like, hey, this guy needs to be start, like needs to start, needs to be left alone. That's exactly what happened. He got into the rotation and he blossomed. Cy Young votes. Then last year, uh, lock, guys locked in, right? So Corbin Burns took a, a horrific path <laughs> from 2017's hype train to where he is now. Uh, but he is a case in point of, we saw it. Everybody wrote about it or talked about it or podcasted about it. And then when things didn't go well, a lot of people just bailed. And for people like Ty, who were like, I'm in. And I just, I, I mean, I wasn't in, I was in by proxy because I listened to you talk about him. And I was like, I just don't see it. I don't know why they would give him the opportunity you're talking about. He got it. And now that Milwaukee rotation is like a bunch of guys who I'm like, they're really good. But like, I didn't think they were supposed to be. Yeah. Well, it's little things, right, though. And, and Burns is a good example of something we're seeing start to be a, a throwback to the late 80s, 90s way they broke in pitchers, right? Go into the bullpen, throw hard, refine the pitch that you've had trouble with all the way through the minors, get your location down, and then we'll throw you in the bullpen or in the rotation. Sorry. And that's exactly what happened here. And we're seeing that with other guys like Nate Pearson is a guy that fits that category. We talked about him before we jumped on. Um, and, and, you know, there's lots of other examples of guys like that. There's also failures to launch that happen in that same conversation. So you have to watch for the progression, like a guy like Luke Jackson in, in Atlanta is a guy that was supposed to get that same kind of seasoning. And then they're like, well, you can really only do this, this sort of role. And that's fine too. There's value there. But what everybody assumes now is that as soon as you go to the bullpen, you're a closer. 
you're just done. You're, it's over. Your your upside is high leverage reliever. And we're seeing these things in prospect reports at like high A. Like this guy is a back end reliever. Like, pardon me. He is he's 18. Like let the guy figure himself out. And so this is where you as fantasy owners can get really trapped in that hype train, which is why we talk about it all the time, because you have to watch the transitions. You have to watch for the things that no one else is paying attention to. And and that's where Robbie and I are complete opposites. Like Robbie gets in on guys way early that I, and then he flips them because they get huge hype value. And I'm happy to trade them because I picked them off the J2 wire and turned them into Corbin Burns. Um, And I'm happy about that. And it works for both of us, but you know, that's what you have to look for in these opportunities. And Corbin Burns, is a textbook example of great talent that just got lost in that transition. Yeah. And that was what it, what it was for me, Ty was, I just thought, well, I feel like he's not going to get starting opportunities. And that, that was why in my mind as, as a dynasty owner, I thought I can make this move because what I need is what you were offering. And it was a trade that made my team better that year. And when you're trying to win in a big league, you just kind of need to make a choice. You know, you can't, necessarily win year over year over year especially with contracts um if you're not making an effort in season to you know sell some assets to get a little better uh for future assets sorry to get a little better for the remainder of your season and i was willing to do that with him so somebody who i think is uh his rise is very funny because it basically came from a trade but dylan cease in 17 and 18 uh came on the scene he was a sixth round pick in in 2014 which i didn't even know till i started to do this uh, work here and it's he signed for one and a half million dollars which is way over slot and 14 for a sixth rounder but he immediately had tommy john surgery and then slow burn uh came up slowly you know had those had those good numbers or sorry had those good mechanics working for him and he and eloy jimenez who nobody has ever heard of were traded uh to the cubs for jose quintana who will be the pittsburgh pirates opening day starter uh, <laughs> as we fast forward here, um, he was having a great year, kept it rolling as the report started to heat up on what the Sox had just got in that trade. And then he was 61st in 18 on the MLB top 100, but teammate Alec Hansen, uh, who, uh, Alec Hansen was 54th. And that, I, I brought that up specifically because we need to keep in mind that just cause someone's on a list, especially MLB top 100 does not mean that they become anything. They just make a list. That's the whole point of why we're talking about this right now. Caution, right? Um, so Anyway, he came in as an MLBer. He has uh, had the yin and yang. Um, he's had a high K per nine. And he in 2021 it was 12.3. He's had a low K per nine. He's had a decent ERA when he was first coming into MLB. He's had a crummy ERA, but it looks like he is about to do a Corbin Burns, Lucas Giolito, name your pitcher, turn it around. Uh, but to this point in time. Outside of last year for K's, Dylan Cease has yet to deliver on the ace promise that we have been kind of waiting on looming over for five years. And it wasn't until that year in which he was traded that everybody started to really keen in on Dylan Cease. And from that point in time, it's now become a waiting game. Well, and Cease is on that trajectory, like 579, 401, 391 ERA. Like he's making that yep. progression. And, and the thing that I like to look at here is you know, you, you see a really interesting development path. So 10 K per nine in that break-in season, cup of coffee, you know, 73 innings, nothing crazy. Keeper in our home league just for fun. Um, and then we get into um, 20 in the short season. K per nine plummeted to 6.8. Uh, 
So right. the breakout we saw last year from the K's is everything you need to know. Like this kid has figured out that he's got some things to hone in on. Now, what I would caution, and this is the one thing that, you know, you have to look for in these guys is go and look at what pitches he got the strikeouts on. Does he have that strikeout number across all of his pitch types or does he only have it for the hook, which he has one of the best in, in all of baseball. So those are the things you have to try and take a peek at to discover whether or not these guys are going to be able to sustain it into the next season. Um, and, and I think Cease is going to have that success, but I would expect a small recoil on the strikeouts. That is my expectation. All right. And I do believe that Cease is going to become a very good serviceable pitcher SP2 type. I don't know that we're going to see, you know, Cy Young votes and all that with consistency, but he has been a prototypical case of somebody who got really hyped up and in order to like what you would have traded, been able to trade Dylan Cease for uh, as a prospect and what you would have got back in a MLB starting pitcher, that starting pitcher that you would have been able to get back would have outperformed Dylan Cease every year, except for K's last year until we start this season. So depending on what you were doing in your own leagues, um, you might be really hoping Dylan Cease has it in him for this year because, you know, you may have spent a lot to acquire him or something like that. So, um, someone else that also came out of nowhere, this is a little bit more recent 2019 Chris Bubik, who was, uh, one of the, I think he's the highest drafted guy on this list outside of Otani is a, uh, just a free agent signing or, you know, hyped type guy. He was drafted 40th overall in 2018, huge K's in his, uh, 2019 year, 185 and 149 to third innings, a 223 ERA, a decimal nine, seven, one whip. It's an elite line. Everybody bought in by mid season. He was just like sitting everybody down. And I think that's when he was promoted. But since then, since that season, uh, he hit a wall. He ended up uh, in the pros in 2020. Um, did, did not go well last year. Did not go well. And we're just waiting to find out exactly what Chris Bubik is. He's a, he's a lefty doesn't throw super hard. Um, but we've talked about it on previous podcasts, but just another name to note when we're talking about guys here, because the other guy on this, uh, Ty was also at the exact same time mowing down everybody. I believe it was an Erie and everybody was watching Erie pitch because they had Casey Mize and they had Matt Manning. And then they had this other dude, Tariq Skubal and Skubal was a ninth round pick in 18, which nobody cared about, but then Detroit threw him right into pro ball the year he signed. And then he had three levels in 2018. So the year he signed, he played in three levels. Um, and then in 19, he hit the fourth level, which is high A and double A, ruining lives and striking out 179 and 122 and two thirds innings. Um, we didn't have the 2020 minor league season for him to really do his thing, but Detroit brought him up as a result. And that that's the thing. In 2021, 29 starts, showed some improvement, far from a finished pitcher. But um, we have been waiting three years now to see what Tariq Skubal can do. Ty, what do you think Skubal can be doing for us uh, 2022 and beyond? Is he an improving pitcher? Is he going to be what he has been, what we've seen? What are your thoughts? The, the fastball terrifies me. Um, it's still the one thing that he has to solve. He threw seven pitches last year. Crazy number. Um, seven cutter, different pitches that is yeah cutter he only threw a few of so i don't know if that's a a savant version of like just misunderstanding Missing, what pitch yeah. came in um 
split finger he threw 60 times so really limited issues but it got slugged nine <laughs> nine seventeen so I'm guessing that that was just a floating changeup uh, instead of a splitter based on those numbers um the curveball you know the batting average against it wasn't great uh but not awful at 250 changeups 176 a great pitch uh the sinker is a great pitch at 216 against um really good slugs here um and and the slider really one of the hallmarks of his of his repertoire uh really really good with a whiff rate of of just under 30 um decent put away numbers fastball has decent put away numbers but the problem is he really leans on it. he threw it over a thousand times almost 1100 times last year um definitely more against the right handers but he gave up listen to this 22 home runs against the fastball alone last year so if there's an improvement there then there's room for him to break out um and he certainly needs to refine the pitches in my opinion um and he definitely needs the fastball to set up the change so I, for me it, it is like uh, a more complex version of what we've said about ronaldo lopez over the years if he can get that fastball honed in and he can locate it a little bit then then i like his his possibility to turn the corner um but he definitely got hurt real bad on that pitch in the last couple of years so I, for me i think he's just got to refine his pitches I, I think he needs to cut out splitters i think he needs to cut out cutters um you know and, and if he's a five pitch guy cool but i i would even consider dropping the sinker and just go fast change slider hook that i think is is probably what i'd be trying to get him to do but um you know the the stuff is there it's just it, it, to me it's location and setting pitches up so that can come with a little bit of seasoning and I, and i think he'll come around on that but I'll say 2022 is not the year I'm buying. 2023 is. Okay, so we still could have one more year, and that's dating all the way back to the hype of 2018 before we see it. Now, this one's super quick. Last year, Hassam Kim, he, there was no prospect list that did not include him. Um, even me, I was all over. I said, this is going to be the best prospect in baseball. Ty had concerns. Um, Ty was right was not a great debut season, 267 at-bats, eight home runs, 27 runs, 34 RBIs, six stolen bases, a 202 average, and the OBP sucked, which was supposed to be the thing that I was most excited about was the fact he was going to walk and get on base. We had a 270 OBP. Um, did not really have any periods of consistent playing time for more than like a week covering, you know, the first Tatis injury, then the second, and then the third. Um, but again, th there's another Tatis injury, so this could be okay for 2022, but this is just someone to state the case on. Let's watch what happens with Hassam Kim. There's a lot of things that could happen, but he has only got one pro season, one season for dynasty owners so far. And I mean, I I've been given some horrible trade offers for him this off season <laughs> and like, just, just shameful in some of the leagues I have him, And I'm like, why on earth would I like? give up on him right now. And this is all before the Tatis injury, right? Like why would you give up on someone who in one league, I picked him up third overall. And then people are offering me like Seth Brown was one of the guys. I'm like, why would I want to trade Hassam Kim and the potential for Seth Brown and like just home runs is like the best I can hope for from him. But Hey, that's, that's what other dynasty owners are also thinking, right? Maybe they can squeeze them out of you. So if you own them or if you're thinking about them, um, Maybe there's a fit for you, but again, this is an early case for us where 
we're looking at him just like the next guy in Chris Rodriguez, who, I mean, Ty, we talked about this last year because this was almost upsetting us that people were like, Chris Rodriguez is an ace and nobody knows it. Uh, and we we're like, are you sure? Because um, I don't know what, what to think about Chris Rodriguez because he's one of those guys whose body doesn't like him, which a uh, good time to bring up, Ty, the fact that Brent Honeywell has been shut down indefinitely. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. So, but anyway, we'll stay on top of <laughs> so, it with Chris so Rodriguez. He, he and- is a stress fracture of the bone that literally stops his elbow from, or his arm from like going backwards. Yeah. That's the thing that stops it from like just wrapping around the rest of his arm. So he just can't pitch for a bit. So that's all. Or I think ever. that's when you get, that's when you get one of those um, uh, like tent, like stress bandages, but the pitchers aren't allowed to wear them. Right. So you get one that just allows you to cock it back so far, but no further. He needs so. like the rookie of the year procedure. Yeah, that would be so nice. <laughs> That'd be so nice. Um, but anyway, so Chris Rodriguez, maybe he's going to be in a similar spot, right? Um, career high innings pitched is 60 or just under 60. Sorry, that was in 2017. Even last year, everyone was really excited because he got up to the bullpen with the Angels. Uh, it, it wasn't great, but again, he got hurt. And then, like, I don't know. I don't know what's reasonable to expect here, but we've seen the hype train. We've seen the prospect list where Chris Rodriguez is, you know, up there so high. Uh, I don't see a ceiling as an ace for a guy like this because he can't stay healthy. Like his body probably won't let him. We're already seeing other pitchers who can't do it. And Brent Honeywell is like, uh, he's, he's a very good example to lead by at this moment because he's had a further injury, but there are players who there's so much stress on your arm that you just can't do it for long periods of time. And that might be Chris Rodriguez. Um, my, my thought with him is like, I just don't want any part of him. But I also feel like I came to the party late because as everybody was getting excited about Chris Rodriguez, I was pumping the brakes saying, why are we so excited about a pitcher who can't stay healthy? And that's that's where we are. So I don't know if you feel differently, Ty. He is an Angels pitcher. I know you've recently drafted an Angels pitcher, so I don't know if your heart has grown three <laughs> times its size. Um, I, I literally drafted that guy so I could offer bad trades to you all season. Uh, and just make you torn about whether you're going to decide to take the trade or not. <laughs> okay, well, it, we'll have to have a bad trade episode uh, as soon as the year starts because I've already been, I, I mean, I sent one to you today that was terrible um, that somebody had sent, sorry, someone had sent it to me and I screenshot it and sent it to Ty. Uh, but I, I'm getting bad offers left, right, and center right now. So uh, yeah, Chris Rodriguez, is this somebody that you think dynasty owners should just say, this is a case in point of why you don't go crazy over the, results or scouting reports from a few people on the fantasy realm. So I'm a little different in terms of the way I look at these guys. Like I look at these guys and I say, I look, I do the eye test, right. And everybody else does the stats test. They do the pitch shape type. I always love talking to Mason about all the pitch shaping and the stuff that he likes to dive into. Um, That is Mason McRae. You find him on Twitter at Mason underscore McRae, M-C-R-A-E. Yeah. And, and I love his knowledge because it's just so different from the way I, I interpret these things. Um, and it gives me perspective sometimes when I do my analysis. But what I see in Chris Rodriguez is, is, is a similar profile to Blake Trinan. So if you're buying Chris Rodriguez with that being the expectation you have for him, I think it's an appropriate buy because I think this is a guy that could be a good bullpen arm. I, I think he could be a really valuable bullpen arm. And if the in the off chance he becomes a great starter, I don't think that's going to be the case without uh, 
a, a reasonable second out pitch, uh, then I then I have concerns with that acquisition price. But if you can buy him with the expectation of being that reliever, I like it. And I don't say that a lot about a lot of guys, but I just think he fits the profile of an eighth inning guy. I just think that's who he is. And I think that's who he's going to end up being. And the biggest reason, honestly, is that his fastball is just not good enough. And that's the thing. His sinker is very good. His curveball is very good. And his other pitches are okay. And so I think that's why I see him as a bullpen guy, a great guy that can come get strikeouts, but can also get that ground ball double play that you need in that eighth inning. So that's why I really like him there. And like I said, if he becomes something more, you you just kind of be excited about it. But if you own him for that purpose, I think you'll be happy with the price, price you pay. Okay, so those are all the guys that are currently out there in the big league world who were highly prized assets for short period of times, um, you know, in-season, re- mid-season reports, things like that, uh, scouting list, and then that next off-season, they all became fantasy darlings and dynasty high picks or highly valued players. Now we're going to talk about some of the guys who are headed into 2022 in similar positions. And I'm just going to say that all the names tie, and then we can talk about anybody that you want to talk about. And first one up is Yuri Perez, a starting pitcher prospect with Miami, Stephen Kwan, an outfielder with Cleveland, Caleb Killen, a starting pitcher with uh, the Cubs, Dustin Harris, a first base prospect with Texas, Ezekiel Tovar, a shortstop in the Colorado Rockies organization, Cody Morris, who we mentioned off the top, a starting pitcher prospect with Cleveland, and Juan Yepes, a first baseman prospect with St. Louis. So these are all the guys who I think collectively are in that top tier of um, 18 months ago. Nobody really cared about any of these guys. And now everybody is all over them. They're all over the list. Everybody's excited for different reasons. Um, So Ty, is there anybody on this list that you kind of want to discuss here? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I think there's a couple interesting ones on this list. Like, I mean, you and I are both huge Yuri Perez guys. Both of us are into what he brings to the table. Uh, and we're still just years away, right? I mean, there's, to me, elite talent. Um, he's in the wrong organization, though, because he's, like, ninth on the death chart right now. He's going to climb. He's realistically probably a, a piece of a trade bait somewhere along the way here uh, in the rebuilding Miami organization. That said, uh, he's he's a giant human. He's 6'8", 200 pounds, and he's, guess what, 18 years old. So this is the kind of guy that if you line up against him at a buffet, uh, you're losing. Um, he is going to buffet you to death. And, you know, the, the Robbie, Robbie's doing a great job right now of highlighting things that he wants me to say, and I really appreciate <laughs> well, it. The only um, reason that I want you to say the next one is because that's my genuine fear in this. Yeah, so he's either going to be Randy Johnson or John Roush. And, and I love this because uh, MLB The Show 22 is coming out and Randy Johnson's on there. So my entire season will revolve Is he photographer? Is he the photographer how, for it? Yeah. Yeah. How long it takes me to get Randy Johnson? Because I'm just going to – I legitimately drill people online every time they hit a home run uh, on a bad pitch. So Randy Johnson wow. is exactly my guy. And this is online. That's how serious I take um, bad beats. So it's uh, – it's one of those things. Um, I, I like this prospect. I like owning him. Um, I don't like acquiring him right now, which I think is part of right. the discussion we're having here. Um, yes. The cost right now is like rent in New York. It is too damn high. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> wow, what a line, Ty. What a, yeah, my my bet on on Yuri Perez is I got him in one league, and the only reason I got him was because that was the league where everybody was scooping up all of these types of guys really early. And I'm like, well, I kind of thought maybe I'd have a shot at one of these guys in like the third round. And and again, 24 team league. So I thought I'd have a shot at them somewhere in the 50 to 70 range. And I was like, there's no way they're going to be here. They're all, all of them are going to be gone. And I could look back now and, um, and figure out exactly when the last of like these guys on the list that weren't previously, excuse me, rostered uh, was drafted. I'm sure it was all in the top 75. Like everybody, with any level of hype that wasn't previously on a team scooped up so fast. Uh, there were J two guys that slipped post 100. Like there, uh, when we look back at this universal draft, there are going to be amazing deals. Even the very last pick in this draft, which was a 15 round draft in a 2014 league. It was Lawrence Butler with Oakland, who is a 2020 potential guy. And to be able to say that that was the last pick, is amazing that there's that much potential in a final pick. And and in, in the meantime, like relief pitchers are going because it's universal. Everybody's going. So I, I just took Yuri Perez. I think it was like 18th was what, where I picked. So yeah, I took him and really, I'm like, which I love. Yeah. And it's the only time that I got him because exactly what you said, I was willing to give a first round pick instead of taking a prospect who could be an 18 year old, could be a 16 year old, could have been a 21 or 22 year old. I'm like, I'm going to take this 18 year old who's already got a year of pro ball. And then that's just, that's how we're going to go with it because everybody's excited, but I am terrified of a six, eight, 200 pounder. And that's the type of body that Ty, I feel like you just hate, oh, yeah. which no, is my fear with the hate. Randy Johnson, John Roush thing. Like no. what exactly are we going to get? I so, love it. Just throw like absolute heaters down from the sky. I love every well, that's, second of that. That is the massive advantage he has against all the other hitters he's going to face until he gets to a good triple a team mm -hmm. and then into the pros because he's going to have that angle coming down on everybody. That's going to be so different from what they see day to day. So, yeah. but uh, who's another guy that you're, you're interested here. We can cover, cover the list. I think they're all relevant. Caleb Killen is a guy who basically had uh, got traded from San Francisco to the Cubs and then went to the fall league and uh, had six innings of greatness in the fall league final. And then people were like, Oh, Caleb Killen's really good. So my, my personal take here is that I do not like him. Uh, he just doesn't pass my eye test. But here's the thing. He's got all the stats to say that he could be good. And the Cubbies have had Kyle Hendricks throwing puffballs out at hitters for several years successfully. So I, if there's a team that I trust to, to see the value in somebody that doesn't have the fireball repertoire – I will say it's the Cubs right now because there's only a handful of these guys in the pro level pitching in the rotation right now. So I, I think there's still some hesitation for me just based off of that. Like I'm, I'm just not ready to put him out to pasture yet. Uh, I need to see him against some better pitching because the video that I've been able to find on him isn't, isn't good enough for me to really just say I'm, I'm good or out. Um, mm. The numbers are there. I, he just scares me. That's, I'll be honest, he's not my profile of a guy, so that makes it a little bit harder for me to get in on him. Uh, but the data's there. The data suggests that he could be great, uh, but I, I just I don't feel like he's that guy. So this, to me, is the type of guy that I suspect will be a bust. I'm just I'm not confident enough to put that full stamp on him just yet. Yeah, so the stat line ties reference, he's 100 innings last year, mostly at double A, a 242 ERA, a decimal 877 whoop. Um, 
and 112 strikeouts in that time. So that that's a good line. But after his trade from San Francisco to uh, the Cubs, he was not as sharp. I feel like his ERA was four something. Um, but again, that's like, you know, you're in a, your comfort zone and you're just you're, you're a 2019 eighth round pick and nobody cares about you and you're in the organization. And you're having a really good year and then you get traded for an MVP. And, you know, maybe he's feeling the pressure. So they did end up sending him to the folly, which, as we've all talked about before, is a great sign for you as far as your value to the organization because they want to see what you can do there. And he wasn't doing great until the actual fall league final when he put up a quality start. I don't remember if the team won or lost, but either way, that kind of like saved the back end of his season. So um, Caleb Killen is an absolute case for me where it's going to be, I think a lot of people got excited and it's going to be a blip. And uh, to your point, Ty, maybe he's able to become a major leaguer out of it, but it's not going to be a big notable guy. So um, there's a few left. Do you want to, Dustin Harris is probably a quick one to talk about. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Harris, uh, I'll leave for you because I got points on on the other two at the end of this list. Okay, sure. So Harris, 11th round pick in 19, massive 2021. In 404 at-bats, 327 average, 400 OBP, well, 401 OBP, 20 dingers, 20 stolen five bases, 86 runs, 85 RBIs. Wow. Um, the the things that when you look at Dustin Harris's uh, stat line back to college, he's never, never had that much power. Just it's it, it could have been something that he's he's done um but ty has talked a lot about this before you got to watch what happens with rookies and uh what kind of pitches are getting you know is he mashing fastballs um was he always getting off speed cuz he was the best guy on the teams he was on otherwise uh this is a big year for him we don't know what exactly 2022 is going to hold for him uh he is a texas first base prospect and my God, was he a hot topic guy this offseason? And it's going to be interesting to see what he does moving forward. So, Ty, who did you want to go to? Yeah, I mean, the bottom two guys, we talked about Cody Morris earlier in the year. He got transferred to the 60-day DL. Not good. He's officially there uh, now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so he's immediately into bus category just based on that. Because, you know, the likelihood of coming back from injury Real. at that level. Yeah. I mean, it just is. Like, the reality, yeah. if you look at the data over longer stretches, like, that is – a serious indicator of, of not good moving forward. So, well, and people were drafting him because they were like, this will immediately help me at some point in 2022. Yeah. Like boom, immediate at this point, like getting excited about him is expecting like Lance McCullers to stay healthy. Uh, It's just not ideal. So um, the last guy on this list is for me, one of the guys that I get super excited about and I drafted even in our surf league, Robbie, uh, was one you really? I did. Oh. I took him late, and Free I just Pujols signing. <laughs> yeah, but but one of the things in that league that I really hammered on was I'm going to be the home run RBI guy. That was really what my team is anchored around. Uh, I've got a lot of power in that lineup, um, and and Yepes I think can be that guy. And the worst thing that happened was Pujols signing, um, mm-hmm. but the best thing that's going to happen is Pujols retiring. So that <laughs> he says he's going to do it after 22. And there had to have been some sort of agreement that if you suck, you just need to walk off into the sunset. Well, I think um, they're paying him like two and a half mil, right? And that and and he was pretty good as a Dodger against was it lefties? He yes. was like over a three hundred hitter against lefties, so he could totally become the final guy on the bench, right? Like every time they play a lefty or every every home series he plays Sundays, you know, like they, they could do such a good job with this because he's in St. Louis, and what happened in the Angels or with the Angels mm-hmm. at the end can now just kind of be wiped away but it's at the expense of Juan Yepes bats yeah at bats and, and and the issue here is that Yepes is 
going to start in the minors, but he's a 24 year old triple a prospect with major league tools, right? So they're going to have to give him a shot at this point, at some point this season. And it has to be Pujols or Yepes. It can't be both. They're both right-handed power sticks, very similar profiles. And the, and the obvious advantage goes to Pujols here, like no questions. He's got the track record. He's Mr. Cardinal. You know, all that stuff suggests he's going to get the at-bats early. I'm going to hold Yepes because I expect it to happen later. And the only reason I'm going to be out on Yepes is in the scenario in which I'm desperately hurt by injuries and I need to recover. He's mm-hmm. going to be a cut for sure, but I also expect him to to deliver because I just think the power is very real, and I think in in that ballpark, um, you need elite power, not just good power. You need elite power, and I think he offers that. And in one of the very few, outside of the previously hyped Tyler O'Neill, um, I, I like him to be a power bat for that team as. Goldschmidt also walks into that uh, retirement mode as well. Okay. So we've got former uh, either 2013 or 14 J2 signing one. Yep. Has a long road, right? Uh, seven, eight years before mm-hmm. anybody even knew who the heck he was. And now we're going to see what he can become. Uh, my take on Yep is, is I, I think he is going to be the opposite of Yerman um, Mercedes from last year, instead of coming out and having a hot start and like mashing a bunch and everybody getting really excited. I think Yepes is going to not fall flat on his face. I think he's not going to get the opportunity and people are just going to be like, Oh, I, I thought something different, but now because of, you know, the Pujo signing because of Alex Dickerson in town, whatever it is, right. There will just be a reason why he's not getting um, at bats and a lot of play, or he might not even start the year with the team because he doesn't have to. But yeah. because of that, I think dynasty owners are going to get tired and I would rather than enter him into trade conversations at that point in time. Um, because once he goes back to triple a, there is another power hitting guy in Luke and Baker, who's going to be right there looking for at bats. And this could then become a really interesting thing where he's not talked about as much, but he's had, uh, you know, he had the, the AFL, right. He had his, his moment, um, in the sun as that prospect guy. And then he was getting taken all off season in, in leagues in the top 50, top 50 prospect drafts. He was being taken. Um, like from all the first year guys and things like that. So there's there's another guy we didn't talk about. Or sorry, Stephen Kwan very quickly, because we don't need to worry too much. But Stephen Kwan just looks like he's gonna get to play with Cleveland. It's a matter of how much and what's he gonna do. He could do uh could do well with you on the bases for stolen bases, should be an OBP guy, should be a good average guy, but we don't know when he gets to the show, right? We need to know exactly what Kwan is. Uh, but because NFBC has these 50 round draft and holds Stephen Kwan started to really get on a bunch of radars and then um excuse me fan graphs who has roster resource they love to just assume the best and even put players on teams before they've ever signed which is why I always say uh never trust fan graphs roster resource for your depth chart stuff um, you need to actually look at what's going on in the track records of the organizations but Stephen Kwan might break the mold and, and be with the team out of camp this year um, because they haven't done what we thought they were going to do, which was to sign the Alex Dickerson's of the world. Um, so it's possible, and he could just be a guy. But I don't think anybody should be super excited that uh, um, Stephen Kwan is going to come up and like have 550 at bats and a 320 average and you know 35 stolen bases, which I think a few people are accidentally banking on that he's going to be a dynasty staple um, 
and and hit you in a few categories. I think it'd be great if he came up and was a, a above average MLB for average, which is not much. It's like 265 is all you need to be to be relevant in the top 180 of fantasy hitters for average, which is so sad. Uh, but maybe that's what he's going to, that, that'll be his thing for you, right? In a five outfielder league, you want to have him. Uh, the other guy, though, Ty, this is the big one, Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, everybody was excited. I forget who it was. Prospects Live. I think I think it was you, Reese. Um, Reese, who plays in, in our, our listener league, has been on the podcast. I think he's a Tovar fan. Um, but anyway, uh, mid, mid-season, he was doing amazing things at A-ball. Uh, 21 stolen bases, 11 home runs, 309 average. Looked great. Got a promotion and sucked. Just overmatched. But um, Ty spring training he has been tovar the place uh yeah that worked right he's been all over tovar the place yeah anyway he's been really good in the spring and he's still young um but tovar has had his off season of hype now we got to see what he's going to do what are your thoughts on tovar colorado prospect just so we're all aware i think there's two parts here one i loved this guy a long time ago used him as j like j2 trade bait um and i think he's so close yet tovar away from oh, reaching see that, that was the way i had to show yes. you how that one was done Thank <laughs> so <you. laughs> so i think the reality here is that this is a player i, I think and we talked about earlier in the show like colorado was coming like and and everyone has just given up on them including us like we we did it but i like what they've done this offseason they added just a couple pieces and you know, my guy, Randall Gritchick, so I automatically show them some love. Uh, but I, I think the reality here is that this is, they know this is coming. They know they have a couple guys here. Um, and they really only have a couple, to be fair. But they have a couple key pieces. And that's what it's, that's what it takes to have a core. Uh, Tovar could be one of those guys. I, I don't, I'm not ready to say he is a staple just yet. I think there's a major league bat here. Uh, I don't know that there's a major league shortstop here. I think, I think that's the big thing that I'll throw out there. And, and I think Colorado has a couple shortstops in the farm, but I, I don't think Ryan McMahon is the shortstop of the future, which has been thrown around a little bit this off season. So I did uh, sign the big extension, but I don't I like Ryan McMahon. I just <laughs> don't like Ryan McMahon to be a shortstop. That's <clears throat> just the way it is. So I, I don't know that Tovar is that guy either, but I, but I do like him and I think he is going to be there at some point. Uh, but I would expect him to find himself in a different position, possibly left field. Like that's, I think one of the things that I could see him falling into. I don't know if you feel differently, Robbie, about the position. Remember, six foot one sixty two, so he's a bit yeah. of a beanpole. That's the thing. As far as that goes, I I really don't know what's 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 a reasonable expectation for him. But the fact that he's up in spring training now and getting a lot of at bats with Colorado, I think it's great. It's it's a good thing early mm-hmm. in camp. I'm sure he's been sent down by now um because a lot of guys got sent down in the last 48 hours uh but but it's very interesting to see what could become of this because post promotion he was so bad i thought well he's got to go back he's got to go back to high a next year and get a full season um because he was not ready for that promotion but maybe his off season has been spent just getting better you know becoming becoming a full season player because that's one of the other things that i mean we've talked about with mlb years tristan mckenzie two years in a row has faded down the stretch i don't think that's going to happen this year um you know it's hard for that to happen when you're going to be the cy young runner-up to patrick sandoval but um anyway so the bottom line here for us for this for this episode for the purposes here is what what to do 
when a guy gets hyped, right? So we, we talked to you about a whole bunch of the other dudes. None of them had a smooth transition from the point in time that they were hyped until now, you know, three years in for some of these guys as MLBers, it's been rough, rough patches. Some of them, you know, Cor Corbin birds have come out on the other side. Otani come out on the other side. Some of them, Bijo, we're not so sure what's going to happen with, but there's still some promise. Um, and then there's the, the 2022 guys, you know, it's the, the Perez, the Quans, uh, the Yepes, the, uh, Killens. What do you want to do with those guys? I think reasonable, or it's reasonable to say they're all going to be MLBers. It's just a matter of how much time and what is the, the realistic ceiling. For me, if I'm picking two, I think Stephen Kwan um, has the best chance of being a, a really decent MLB player for you. And I think Yuri Perez has the highest superstar ceiling of these guys. So uh, Dustin yeah. Harris, I'm super interested to see what his 2022 is, but it's just been too small for me to bite in. So Ty, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I'll be blunt. I don't really love any of these guys. I think the guy that I probably um, in am the most excited about in this group, um, I, I like Tovar as a possibility. Yepes is probably the guy that I'm I'm most excited about. Um, I, I really don't I really don't like the rest. Um, and, and Perez is is probably the one guy I'm locked in on. But I I really want to see him go to another organization soon because of how deep Miami's pitching is. Like I just, these kind of guys need top end attention. And I really just don't think he's going to get it in Miami because there's so many other guys in their pitching stable. Um, so I really like to see him traded and, and until that, I'm going to be a little more hesitant because I just, I, I have that concern, but if he gets out of the system, I'm all in everywhere. Okay. Well, there you go. So it's a safe bet if they get hyped, they'll come up at some point in time. From from that moment on, <laughs> the the true journey will begin from, you know, the potential of a Chris Paddock flying out the gate to a Corbin Burns tripping and falling and and what have you to Kevin Bijo, where he was up for a couple years and then demoted last year. Um it it is a crapshoot. It is baseball, it is insanely difficult. But for dynasty purposes here. If the guys are getting hyped, it it appears as though they will come up and they will play. It's just you got to keep in mind it's not going to be a smooth ride. And and if for some reason it is, then they're Juan Soto. Yeah, exactly. If they move that fast, get excited, buy them everywhere, and that's what we like to see. Good spot to leave it, Robbie. We've had uh, we got a lot going on, jamming in spring training in a thirty day period, which is cool. Uh, but we got lots to cover. So next time we'll see you here on Dangerous. It's been Robin Tyler.